Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we'll start in this verse, Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, my brethren, who's he writing to? Christians. He is writing to people who have received Christ that he has already written the rest of this book to. It says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we talked about that in detail because here's the thing. Many people try to be strong in the Lord in their own power and in their own might, and then they are not strong. But he didn't say, you be strong. He said, be strong in the Lord and be strong in the power of his might, right? If you use a shovel and you go dig a hole... You're digging the hole in the power of your might. Would you agree? You have a tool, but you're doing it in the power of your own might. But if you have a tractor, you can use the power of its might and dig a hole and really maybe not even break a sweat unless the weather dictates sweat. Would you agree? Why? Because you're strong in it and in the power of its might. And so it's important to understand that. So he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we went into detail about that last week. It says here in verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God. Then that would mean if we are to put on the whole, then that means there could be a part. Would you agree? If he said, put on the whole... You know, if, if I said, hey, put on the whole uniform and you're a policeman and you came with a shirt and pants but didn't have a belt and didn't have your gun, didn't have your shoes, or you had your shoes and no socks, would you have put on the whole thing? No. And so he said, put on the whole armor of God. This is real important as we go through these verses because really the book has already set us up for this. But if you'll notice that phrase right there, it doesn't say God will put on. It didn't say somebody else can put it on. He said you as a believer, not an unbeliever, but you as a believer put on the whole armor of God. That, or you could say it this way, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery and his attacks or the attacks of the devil. Notice what it said. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All of this wrestling that we, that every believer will face is unseen for the most part. Meaning, you could end up wrestling with somebody, so to speak, because they were influenced by these things, but these are unseen. The whole world, the Bible said, lies under the sway of the wicked one. When we talk about this subject, people can get in fear if you hear it wrong. There's nothing to fear. People have wrestled with these things maybe more than they know. 
they pray, they ask the Lord for something, they're convinced they got it, they don't see it for 15 minutes, and a wonderful thought comes to their head and said, God didn't hear you. You don't have that. Do you see it? Do you feel it? And you go, I know I got it. Why would God even want to give you that? You haven't been that good. And then somebody goes in their own head, yeah, I haven't been that good. Maybe God won't give it to me. That is where the wrestling is. It's not just in their mind. It's people with their heart having to repel his attacks. When a person who's a believer who is really living with God, knowing, doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they live a condemned and con- a life of condemnation or inferiority before God, they don't have the breastplate of righteousness on. So when those fiery darts come, they penetrate, they get in them, and it makes them surrender to praying, to believing, to getting what God has because they go, I I don't measure up. And we're not going to talk about righteousness today. But what people don't understand, these are all the things you and I must put on. And there's different pieces to this armor. And if you don't have one of them on, you become susceptible. And so notice this. He said, put on the whole armor. You do it that you may be able to withstand the, this, this wrestling. Notice it doesn't just say he can come in and do what he wants to do. He wrestles with people. And have you ever been wrestled with? but didn't know that that's what this was. But notice this. After all of this, he said, therefore, and let me make a statement real quick. We, we've gone through this, and he said, we wrestle against these things. But if we go back to Ephesians, the first chapter, we talked about how it said when Christ died, and, we, and he rose from the dead, because he rose, right? And is seated in the heavenly places, right? But notice where he's seated. It says, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, on and on. He goes through this list. He is victorious over them. But then right after that, it said, and you who used to be dead in your trespasses and sins, he made you alive. He forgave you all your trespasses. He cleaned you and then raised you up above all of them too into a victorious place. So when we go to wrestle, and we don't have to go wrestle, they'll find us. We don't have to have our focus on things. Problems will come in life. He said, by virtue of that, and Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he said, don't give them a place in your life, the enemy. We already know we have authority over them. We already know we're raised up into a victorious position. So we don't have to overestimate him. We just need to know that his operation is primarily through deception, impressions, and twisting of truth. You with me? To get people to accept lies. And so... That's why we put a premium on what's said in the Word of God because he, the devil, is the father of lies. He's the author of them, and if his work is in lies and deception, isn't that how it started? 
in Genesis? Isn't that how he tried to take out Jesus in, in, in the wilderness? Through lies and deceptions? And so if he worked with lies and deception, then he is going to come against truth. So what is important then is for us to know truth. Would you agree? If that is where the whole thing comes down to that keeps us fixed in our position in the Lord and walking in victory, then we need to know the truth, right? I mean, Jesus said it this way. He said, you will know the truth, and when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. So if he told us what would make us free and walk in freedom that he has set us free in as believers, then if we don't know the truth, then the enemy could possibly come in and wrestle with you and uh, get you to accept, well, I'm just bound because I've had so many past things I've done, I deserve what I'm getting now. You are deceived as a believer. You say, that's mean. No, it's right because you need to get up and stand up against that. You didn't deserve anything. That's why he died, right? We said this, that Jesus was justified in spirit. He was declared not guilty and back in good standing with God. How could he need to be justified in spirit? How how come he needs to be declared right with God? When we know from the Bible, he never sinned, never did wrong. So there's no reason to be declared right or back in good standing. None whatsoever. There's no reason for him. Except the Bible said when he died, he carried your sins and your shortcomings, and every time you'd miss it, past, present, and future, upon himself. It said he died and became separated and tasted death for all men. He tasted sin and and separation from God for you, not for himself. Then in the 5th or 25th verse of Romans, the 4th chapter, it said he was raised up for your. Not his own, your own justification or declaring like you never, ever sinned. He wasn't raised for his own justification, but he was declared just. Why? For you. And so we need to understand, he did these things. When he was raised up, we were raised up. When he got became a conqueror, we became a conqueror. Because he did it for you and for me. But the thing is, is if we're not taught right, we'll go, well, I deserve this. If you deserve that now, you deserve hell when you die too. But he paid for both of them. So you don't get the penalty for it. And so what happens is if people don't know that, they may surrender. But we're knowing it. We're going to put on all the armor, and then we'll get answers to prayer. We'll make mountains move. Things that hang around, we'll be able to drive them off. You with me? That's what he was getting to here. And so he said, Verse 13, so we need to come with the mindset, we win. He did something about the devil. The devil has been stripped of his power, the Bible said. 
in Colossians 2.15. Jesus disarmed him, means he took his weapons away. His real ability to do things is no longer, some translations say he's been paralyzed. So the way he operates now is through deception. Isn't it interesting that the greatest threat of the last days, Jesus said it in Mark, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 17 and 21, he said deception and what it would do and how it would trick people to, to be overcome and live a wrong kind of life and walk away from the Lord and not walk with Him. But thank God, He said, nobody has to do that. Nobody has to be overcome. Not when He gave us instructions. Let me, let me say this. If, if you join the military, let's change it. We live in a country that has a draft, an ability to draft people. Some countries like Israel and certain other countries in the world, you have no choice, but when your time comes, you go into the military if they draw, they draw, and they basically train everybody when they go in. If you went into the military, this is going to be a good question, would you just get to choose when you wake up? How many cups of coffee you have before you get started? You know, I'm not in the best of mood until I've had three cups of coffee. So, uh, Sergeant, you just wait outside, right? Because I haven't had my coffee, and I need a little bit of makeup before anybody sees me. Are, do they do that in the military? No. They train you when to get up. They train you to get yourself in shape, don't they? You don't just get to watch videos about running in the military. Did you think that? You know, every morning you wake up and we're going to watch seven-mile video of people running for seven miles. You're just you're going to run. Okay, after that, we're going to watch a video of how to strip a gun and put it back together. No, you're going to have to get out and run yourself. Why? Because you've got to get yourself in shape. You with me? You're, you've got to get yourself in shape. And he said, put on the whole armor of God. In the military, there are things you must do to be ready. Would you agree? Right? In other words, we know that. They're going to tell you, and they're going to train you. And you know it's going to be even hard to train before the day that the battle ever even comes. You know Why? Because they want you to be ready when the battle comes to lose, right? That's why you're in the Lord's army. Lord's army, you can lose and be defeated because you never know what God's will is. He just may want you to get beat up in life. No, the Bible said we're in, the, in God's army and he drew us in and he enlisted us. And he said if you're in involved in an army and involved in a battle and, and involved in the military, you don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. You don't get overly caught up, so you get distracted. We have to deal with things in this life. And so if we were in the military, it wouldn't be like, you can't tell me what to do. There's a place for you called the stockade. And if you tell the Word of God, you can't tell me what to do, you may find out you're in the stockade. 
and then you're crying, God, I don't understand. Why well, I, I thought I was supposed to live victorious, and, you, and why aren't you? And you're not even acting like a soldier. Now, I'm not trying to say salute everybody, and I'm not saying be mean to people. You know, if you're a soldier, you're tough. But we're the bride of Christ, so we're not military-wearing dresses. That's a different sermon. But we're waiting for the Lord, and we're to walk in love and be patient and be kind and all those things. But there is the discipline side of the Christian life, and that's what he's teaching here. He said, finally, my brethren, and he said, you know, do these things. We read one translation that said, in conclusion, in other words, to what he had been saying. So verse 13 says this, knowing these things, he almost says it the same way. One, he said, put on. The other, now he's saying, take it up. To put it on, you've got to take it up. Notice this verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, verse 14 says, therefore, stand. Notice the very next word, having. That means you have this or you have done this. So what he's about to tell you is something you are to have done. And somebody say, well, this is the first time I've ever read this. Well, don't worry, then, then do it. Start working to put it on. Start doing this. Here's the thing. I had friends when I was in high school. This is going to show how old I am. That when Rambo came out, remember him? What was his name? John Rambo. And he talked all, I had friends that joined up because of him. That's just intelligent. Or I should say it like this, people I knew. That's a great way reason, you, you know. I don't know, maybe they put out movies like that just to inspire people. But here is the thing. They knew before they were even going in, they warned them, you're going to be running this many miles when you get here. So you better start running before you get here. And you know those guys started running before they ever got there because they needed to do something. Let me ask you this. There are, I know, some people in the church that find running pleasing or enjoyable <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, therapeutic or something. Others, maybe the numbers outweigh, don't. But if you did it, you know that to get into shape, it's going to take time. You wouldn't get frustrated if you can't, well, maybe you would, but you shouldn't get frustrated if you can't run a marathon tomorrow. But if you want to be ready, you better start somewhere. Would you agree? And the more ready you get, the more you can accomplish. Would you agree? And you know, I mean, even my own life, I, I like hiking because I just don't care to go sit in a gym and stand on a treadmill and look at a window, and I never can get to the window. <laughs> I just go, go, go. The faster you go, you get tired, you slow down, you never get to the window. 
It's just there. It's right there. Right in front of you. You can just about reach out and touch it, but you never can touch it. At least when I hike, I can go touch things, see things, and be places and stuff like that and have a sense of accomplishment instead of paying somebody to stand in one place and move my legs. <laughs> no, I'm not saying if you do that, you're bad. I'm just saying it's a different way. But if you're ever going to accomplish something, you're going to have to start disciplining yourself. Here is a discipline, and these are really spiritual disciplines. These are things you have to take time to put on yourself. But we're going to share about them so you'll know what it is and how to do it. He said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And then he said, stand, therefore, having. In other words, when, when you get to this place and you do this, you have already done it, and you're ready. Now, you can hear stuff through your life and it not do you a ton of good. Because there's a lot of fluffy stuff that just won't help. And there's some stuff that just sounds so good, but it just will miss the mark in a certain area. And we're going to look at that. It'll make a tweak in you. And I guarantee you it'll start making a difference in your life in a very short period of time if you start doing this. Notice this. It says this. Um, verse 14. Stand therefore. Stand. Or we know in this case withstand or stand against. Having. Let me go back to 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There is an evil day that will come to every person. You will be attacked, so to speak. And if you are not attacked, let me just make this statement. When we get to the feet shod part, that is a going scripture and it's interesting that we then go to reach the lost, but the Bible said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We need to understand, even when we go out to reach the lost, God will give us wisdom. We are to be going and looking. We are to be going out. And every endeavor of life, whether we get things come against us. Understand this, when you travel out to do God's will, you sometimes will just face some things. You ever made a determination, I'm going to start doing this with God, and then all of a sudden these reasons start coming, why? Ten good reasons why you shouldn't. You with me? And we can stand against them, and we can win. Notice this. And make them move. You can make things move in your life. So he said, Stand therefore, having girded your loins, stand therefore. These things are done, you're ready to stand. Having girded your waist with truth. Then he goes on to list some other things, but I'm going to stop right there, not with the whole message, and talk about that first piece of the armor your loins or your middle parts gird about with truth, like a girdle, like a belt. 
we would say this, your core, or, you know, the core of a tree is called the heart of a tree. The middle of an apple is the heart of the thing. Right in the middle, right in your middle, you should have gird your loins with truth. How do I gird my loins with truth and what kind of truth should I be girding my loins with? This is important right here. This is a big thing. Because if you're a Roman soldier, where does your sword hang? Your helmet? Tucked in your boot? No, because they wore those, you know, different things. Maybe they had one hidden, I don't know. But the, the uniform, it was hanging from your belt. And we know when the Lord comes back, the Bible said, He will consume His adversaries with the sword that comes from His mouth. And we know His word is a sharp two-edged sword. And it's interesting, later on when we talk about this sword of the Spirit that you have to use in prayer and against the wiles of the enemy and as a shield of faith, the word, the word there, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, literally means when we declare or speak things. You have to draw the sword from your belt in order to wield it. But the sword is truth really in your heart. From all the scriptures we can see. This is an analogy. And he's saying the first thing you need to do is get truths into your heart properly. You need to get his word into your heart properly. And here's where people have failed. And you may notice this. You can change this. We all can work on this. But sometimes we've been told, you know, read the Word, read the Word, read the Word. But we haven't always got it into our hearts like we should. We've been able to quote it, quote lots of it, because we read lots of it. But quoting the Word is not drawing out the sword of the Spirit that makes you a successful prayer. But quoting it does. But it's got to get in your heart to work. You've got to get it, the loins of truth. You've got to get it gird around inside of you. Because that's where you draw the sword from. So here's something I want to say. The Bible said this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith is not just faith in Jesus, but faith is something active. Jesus said with faith you can move a mountain. With faith... You know, how many people came to him that needed healing? And he said, if you can believe, you can have it. It'll be yours. And other times he said things like, be it unto you according to your faith. Do these principles end when Jesus died? No, because we see Paul and other people in the Bible using the same principles and getting the same kind of results. And we see promises that people are supposed to get these results all the way to the end. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, When I return to the earth, he said, Will I find faith? That doesn't just mean I have faith, you have faith. No, it's talking about a faith that's in the heart that's active to win out in the battles of life.
Because all seven of the churches in the book of Revelation, virtually, he said, if you overcome through your faith. And so we need to understand that this first principle here is crucial to your faith. He said, gird your loins with truth. He said, my word is truth. Could we be saggy pants? You know, you see kids today, their belt isn't all the way and their pants sag down here and they walk around and they, they're not ready for a track meet. You with me? They're not. They're not ready to run the race that's set before them like the Bible said. Right? <clears throat> Matter of fact, there's one place that says, gird up the loins of your mind and run in Peter. What does that mean? When, you know, back in the day, they'd wear like a robe that would hang down. And he was saying, you need to be disciplined with your thinking because if you let things just hang down, you'll trip over them. If your thinking is not appropriate. People have been tripping over this thing right here because their loins are not gird properly. And then we make excuses why God will not answer the prayer. And it's really not a God issue at all. It's nice because then I have no responsibility. These donuts just make me fat. They just make me fat. It's just, it bothers me. They make me. No, I got to look at myself. Not the donut maker. You know what I'm saying? Don't look at God like that. Look at yourself. So many people get bitter at God too. And God is never, ever, ever your problem. And you need to get that into yourself. He is never against you. He's always for you. And when something happens and they don't see it, then people get mad at God. What it is is the enemy is taking advantage of things that are not in you. And then you get bitter at God because he didn't answer the prayer. He didn't do that. And he's like, wait a minute. You're the one who's to rule. You're the one who is to reign. You're the one. Now, I know this didn't always feel good, but I'd rather have this out there as the truth so people can walk in it instead of just being beat from pillar to post all the time. You with me? And so notice this. Your loins, having girded your loins or your waist with truth. If the Lord gave me instructions... What is the truth and how am I to do this properly? This right here, if you've been asleep through the message, this is where you elbow your neighbor, say, wake up. This is the important, more, this is the it right here. Pay attention. Wake up, pinch them, just not so they yell. Why? Because they need to hear. Jesus said this. He said, with the measure you use when you hear is how you get it back into your life. And so you need this in your life. This will revolutionize or help establish or settle some things that may already be in your life when you read the Word and when you study to get the Word in your heart. Here's why we can tell that people don't have the Word in their heart as believers. They keep praying to try to get. Somebody said, I thought that was good. Well, let's just look. If I keep trying to get, 
but the Lord says I have, some way or another, I'm not looking at it like he's looking at it. Some way, internally, I'm not looking at things like he does, but I'm looking or acting somewhat spiritual by appearances. Would you agree? I mean, I'm praying. That's spiritual, I think, or can be. Remember in, in Numbers 13 when the children of Israel were brought out, God brought them out with a strong hand, and he brought them up to the promised land. And God said, now, I, you go do this. Go up and possess the land at once. He said, for you are well able, and I will give the land into your hand. Go for it. What did they do? Their loins were not girded with the truth. They did not see the way God saw. They did not think the way God thought. They did not believe the way God thought. But they were God's people. And God loved them and delivered them out of Egypt and wanted them to go into the promised land. And even though they didn't make it, they still got provided for with manna. He still set up a brazen image to deliver them from uh, dangerous things that were coming against them and killing some of the people and all this stuff. But he really had a plan for them. But what happened that stopped them, they didn't think like God thought about themselves. They went up and they said, there are giants in the land. The Lord knew that. He said, it's a walled city. But here's the thing. They had a wrong image about themselves. They said, we're not able. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They'll do this to us and this is it. We cannot do it. God said, you're able. You can do it. But they didn't take that truth and get it into themselves to see themselves the way God saw them. They had an old perception about themselves themselves, that they carried with them to their observation of the enemy they had to face. And they lost the wrestling match, and they were overcome, and it said they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until they all died off. But God loved them, and God worked with them. But here's the thing, is there a way to do this, to gird your loins properly with truth? To gird your loins with truth that would make you approach things differently. You ready? Here's how you do it. Now you're going to say when I read this or say this, you're going to say, oh, well, I, I, I know that. Pay attention because you may think you know it. I've talked to people before, and I've said, well, this is this. And they said, oh, I know that. And I'm like, no, I knew they weren't seeing it like I was seeing it. And I said, well, I explained. And then, I know, I know. And people can get real defenseful. I already know, I already know, I already know, I already know. No, you know what you know. Let me talk, and I may be able to, if you'll listen, tell you something you don't know. But sometimes we can get so blinded by a know-it-all attitude that we're really not looking past, and we don't really, we just close our ears, because I already know, I, I, uh, I already know that if we would just open up, we may not be looking at it exactly like we thought, or girding properly. But if you will do this, you'll be able to gird properly. Notice this. Ephesians 6 says, gird your loins with truth. His word is truth. Here's what we need to understand. When I gird my loins, 
it's going to be, or get this stuff in me, it's going to be how I think and how I ponder the truth. Somebody said, yeah, we know that. Hear this part. The truth is different in different ways in the Bible. Some truths are truths of hope, meaning they're forthcoming or they will happen. Jesus will come again. Hope is always future. Something you desire. It's something you expect to happen. But when it becomes faith, you expect it now. You see it as now. You see it as done thing. Faith sees things as done and complete. Here's how people need to start girding their loins with truth. Seeing it in the light of of the word. Somebody say, yeah, you just said that. I already know that. But, you know, somebody said, well, I need healing. So I'm believing God for healing. You're missing it. You don't have your loins gird. I'm believing God for this to happen. Your loins aren't gird. But doesn't that sound like everybody's saying the right thing when you're saying it like that? Yeah, but it's not. Because the Bible said when you believe, then you know you have. So I'm not waiting. I already know I have. The problem is we've not gird our loins right with truth in the right context. Think of redemption. When a person gets saved, all that is in Christ is yours. And the Bible said this. He has, Colossians, the first chapter, already delivered you from the power of the devil. And he has transferred you into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom you have redemption, a complete buyback from all the things of the enemy. But so many people are trying to get free. You know why? They haven't girded their loins to see themselves as free. Have you ever started thinking like he said? Have you ever quit worrying about trying to get something and start thinking like I am delivered from the power of the devil? Didn't he say that? You can go turn there, the 13th and 14th verses, giving thanks unto the Father who has already delivered us from the power of the devil and has translated us or transferred us. He did the original Star Trek of beaming from one kingdom to the other and then put you in Christ and raised you up above. But do people really think they're above or are they trying to fight to get above? But when you gird your loins, you start thinking like, I am above this. He has stripped them. I am seated in a victorious position. And you start imagining and pondering like he has done it. If I ponder it until that's all I see he has done, then am I going to be going, Lord, I need to get delivered? Or am I going to say, I am delivered. You get out of here in Jesus' name. You have no right to stay in my life. It's a big difference. But didn't the Bible say that him who knew no sin became sin for us? Another place said he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we now being dead to sin. What is sin? Any addiction, any missing the mark, any of that. How many people are trying to get free in the Lord from sin? But unless your mind gets gird and you see it in the right context and you start pondering the fact, I am free. That is me. I am already dead to sin by a new nature. 
then you're going to begin to approach it totally different because you're going to start seeing yourself the way he sees you. Remember, he said, you're well able to possess land. They said, we're not, we're grasshoppers. That's how they were holding things in their mind. They kept having this poor image. God had a total different image about them, but they didn't gird their loins. So girding your loins is beginning to think not like I need to get, but start reading the Bible where it is past tense and thinking past tense. I've been delivered. If I start seeing myself delivered because my spirit is new, then I'm changing the reasonings and the lying because you think about it. How does the devil work to entrap people? He said, you're not free. And the Lord said, you are free. When you got set free inside and he delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, you need to start thinking, I'm not under his control. I'm not under his rule. Then when we approach in the wrestling match, we're not trying to overcome. We're not allowing him to get a place in my life. I'm displacing him. He has no right. I'm free in Christ. But you could go through verse after verse because how many people do stuff like this? Well, you know, I'm just believing you're going to be blessed. Let's, all right, Lord, just bless, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me in everything I do. Do you know that's totally not appropriate? Meaning you can declare his blessing. But what if we're not getting our loins gird? We're not approaching it right. And the Bible said in Galatians 3 that in Christ you already have been blessed. So if I'm trying to get it, I'm thinking wrong. My loins need to be gird with truth. I need to get into my heart. I need to start seeing my life like people see the Jewish people. Don't most people who are a little older, see the Jewish people as just people that there's a blessing on them. Now, they're not trying to get blessed because the church has taught the Jewish people are blessed, Jewish people are blessed because the Bible states it. But in Christ, we are blessed too. But it's interesting, people are trying to be blessed. They don't see themselves as blessed in Christ. And it'd be like this. If I smell like a skunk, I'm not saying I do. And I came in the room, would I need to believe for that? You would go, he smells like a skunk. He stinks. But there would be something being transmitted off my life. But what if I'm talking like this? And remember, the sword of the Spirit is what's giving way to things and dealing with things in the spirit realm, but I say, I'm believing for his blessing on my life. By virtue of that, you're saying, I am not blessed, but he already said you are, and he already said the blessing of Abraham is on you. Why is that? Because we're not thinking in the past tense of what he did. We're actually living more by sight instead of faith. And the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight. And so many times people are trying to translate the Bible through everything they see instead of girding their loins and getting their minds on things above, not on things on the earth. They're, they're not bad people. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe your neighbor is or something, but I don't believe Christians really are. People make mistakes. People do stuff. 
But what if we started thinking like God really loves me because it said he already has accepted me in the blood. If my loins are not girded with truth, his fiery darts can penetrate my life and I'll feel like he doesn't care about me. And the reason that that was able to penetrate was I didn't gird my loins with truth and didn't think in the past tense that he has already made me accepted. But the fact of the matter is, all of redemption, really, of the things that we need in this earth, the devil being stripped, and how many people think the devil is so powerful, then that means they're not, their loins aren't gird properly. Their mind, they are not pondering the fact that he has been disarmed, that he has been put under the feet of Jesus and our feet. He has been dethroned, depowered, you with me? On and on you can go through these things about being loved, blessed, delivered, having peace, having joy. Jesus said, I give you my peace. My peace is yours now. But some believers don't think like they have it. Therefore, they don't access it. They live more in the natural instead of in the spirit. So here's how you gird your loins. Find the scriptures in the Bible. Find in the epistles, the letters written to the churches, there are hundreds, there's a hundred and something and more past tense verses, how we are already accepted, we're already raised, we already have authority, we already are alive, he already lives in us. For me to say, I don't get direction from God, I don't know God, God never speaks to me, is to act like you're not a child of God, because he said every child hears from God. But my loins are not gird. I'm not working. In other words, when you read the Bible, when you get done, work on it. Begin to think like this is mine. Begin to ponder like this is mine. Just like it is written, get it in you. And I promise you this, the result will be a very confident faith when you approach the things of life. People have talked about the sword of the Spirit or speaking the word, but if the word is in you not appropriately, then you're trying to speak to get instead of speaking to make things move and speaking because you believe you have it. Why don't you see yourself with the answer? If he said all things are yours in Christ, why don't you start seeing it that way? It will change how things work in your life because you'll get confident. Because you'll know in my heart, this is mine. I'm loved. I'm accepted. It's paid for. And what you ponder on will gird you. It will make you conscious of it. 